0: All right, um, hey, I'm glad you're here. I'm Matt, pastor here at Midtown West, and uh, we are in our last week of this three-week series, uh, this little vision series that, uh, if you've been at Midtown for a while, we usually start the year with vision series, like who are we, why are we here? And um, our vision statement is a statement that is actually really, we use, we work it, and that's like how we know what we're doing all the time, how we plan our year. And so Midtown West, our vision statement, Can anybody give it to us? Anybody know it? Yeah, we're on adventure with Jesus to be set free, set others free, and enjoy that freedom together. We did it. Way to go. Um, Yeah, so this this year, uh, this vision series is called Wide Awake, and uh, the first week we talked about uh, there's a song, it's, it's this conversation between uh, the singer and his friend who's a heroin addict, and he's saying, hey, if there's anything I could do to save you from this, I would. And the friend is saying, if there's anything I could do to save myself from this, I would. And then he just, you know, screaming at one point, I'm wide awake, I'm wide awake, I'm not sleeping. And so the idea is that um, we can't save ourselves. We can't make ourselves what we need to do. The, the biggest changes that we actually need to see are not changes that we can, I'm trying to think of uh, that word rot, like what's the present tense? We can't ring that in ourselves? No, I don't know. Um, thank you for going there with me, two of you. Um, but we can't, we can't make that change in ourselves. Jesus needs to do that. So this is not like a, hey, new year, new us, like we're finally going to do it. This is, Jesus, would you be so kind to show us the things that are going to get in the way of us walking in this vision, uh, walking on this mission with you, and then would you allow us to see those things so that we can bring them to you and ask you to deliver us from them? And so the first week we talked about um, being wide awake to our masters. You know, who, who is our master? Are we our master? Um, the only master who can lead us to life is Jesus, and in the second, last week, we talked about being wide awake to our treasure. What is it that we treasure? Is it the accumulation of wealth that is going to give us life and lead us to life, or is it something else? And, and this week, we're talking about being wide awake to our neighbor. And so, uh, if, if you think about um, the question that I had you guys talk about together, um, you know, think about the, this person who is... Um, maybe as, as a kid from elementary school, from high school, who was like the most awkward, most difficult kid that just like stands out in your memory? Um, and, and how did you enter, what made them awkward? So give me, give me some thoughts on that. What, what made this person difficult? Throw it out. What? Tried too hard. What else? did you guys talk about this or no (laughs) what what was another one nose picker picker. poor somebody say poor hygiene poor hygiene what else drew Drew what (laughs) okay (laughs) what else come on Weird weird interests what else Never pass the ball. (laughs) That sounds like there's something to unpack later. Um, (laughs) Okay, great. Um, How did you you at that age interact with the kid that you were thinking about? Avoided. Avoided. What else? Nervous. Bullied. Past Past judgment. Laugh. Yeah, okay, here's, here's a follow-up question. How would you interact with that kid now? Like knowing what you know about humanity, having the maturity that you have now, having, for those of you who are, are walking with Christ, having experienced the love of God through people, um, how would you interact with that person now?
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah. 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 Having empathy, moving toward not being passive. The kid that I was thinking about for me was uh, a kid from elementary school named Bobby, and he was very awkward. Uh, did not pick up on social cues, had thick glasses, cross-eyed, had weird interests. And um, I just, for some reason this, this week, like he just came to my mind and I was thinking about him. And I remember, oh, here we go. Um, yeah, I remember hearing, this was I think like early middle school, that he loved planes. And for his birthday, um, he went out and like put out a picnic blanket and watch planes land at the airport. And like, I remember hearing that either he invited people and nobody came or like he did that because he didn't want to have a party because he thought that nobody would come. So I was thinking about that this week. I was like, you know, I wish I could go back and watch planes land with Bobby because it's just, you know, especially now as a dad having kids, you just think about all the, the pain and all the fear and all the stuff that's in the world. And you're like, man, these people, and maybe you were one of those people. <laughs> maybe this was a hard conversation because you're like, I'm thinking about myself. Like I felt so ostracized and so on the outs and, and whatever. Um, but it's just like, man, those people just need love. Um, and so that, that's where we're going today. Who, whoever's reading our scripture, if you come on up. Yeah, Rachel. Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 8, verses 26
1: through 39. All right, Luke eight twenty-six through 39. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on the land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened, And they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country and the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks, Rachel. Father, we come to you this morning and we just ask that you would open our eyes, you would open our hearts, you would open our minds, you would open our very souls to you, that you could deposit a Yourself into us, Lord, that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would awaken us, you would melt our our cold hearts. Lord, in the places where we have just gotten comfortable living handicapped apart from you, I pray that you would wake us up and bring healing to those places. I pray that you would do this so that we could have life in you, but also so that uh, the world would experience your love through us. And so, Lord, would you do that now? Would you lead us? You're so faithful you do this all the time, uh, you never leave us, and so we ask you to do it again. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, in, this, in this case, as we think about our neighbors, we think about people that are difficult, people that are awkward, uh, people that repel us for various reasons, it's our belief that we, we've fallen into this, this slumber of believing that we are going to find life if we can keep those people as far away from us as possible, the, the less that I have to interact with people that make me feel uncomfortable, uh, the, the more enjoyment I will have in life. And so Jesus, as he has uh, these last two weeks, he's coming to us and challenging that belief and saying, actually, it's, it's if we move toward those people in his power and his love, he will set them free and he will bring them healing and bring them life. But, it, but it's also a two way street, he will set us free. Because we are, we continue to be enslaved to fear. We don't understand uh, what we have when we have His Spirit living in us. And as we move toward those who He is pulling toward us and and compelling us toward them, that uh, we will—that's where we're going to find life. And so this passage, I mean, we read this passage and are like, "Man, I don't understand why people have a hard time understanding Scripture or relating to it." Um, I think I think the passage is is. Difficult, like the man in the passages, but we start with this picture of this man. The first few verses here, this this really strange man, and it says that Jesus and his disciples were in a boat and they sailed to the opposite side of Galilee. So right from the outset, they are going to the unknown. They are going to the uncomfortable. They are going to the opposite. This is like the other side of the tracks. This is uh, if you don't know. The Jews, Jesus and his disciples were Jewish and the people in this town are Gentiles. That means non-Jews. And so the Jewish people at that time had these laws about cleanliness and they were going to be uh, unclean if they had interaction. And so the fact that they were moving toward this area where everybody was Gentile, no one was obeying the the cleanliness laws, uh, that in itself is very threatening. And then when they get there, And Jesus gets out of the boat. It says, immediately he is met there, not just by any Gentile, but by a man who is full of demons. And so we learn about this. We start to learn about this man. It says, there met him a man from the city who had demons. And for a long time, he had worn no clothes. So he was naked. He had no home and he lived among the tombs. And he cried out. And that word for cry out is to, to make weird, loud sounds. So you can imagine just, just imagine this man for a second. This man who fills people with fear because they try to chain him and he rips the chains apart. This man who is living out among the dead, living out among the tombs. He's homeless, he probably doesn't smell very good. He's possessed with demons. He's terrifying. He's naked. He's, it's embarrassing to be around him. Everything about him is uncomfortable. And it says that the, the demons drove him out to dwell in the desert. Another word, uh, that word desert in, in the Greek means lonely, isolated places. It's a man who for years and years has lived in lonely, desolate places. He was a problem to be dealt with, and people were just glad to have him away from the city. And so, right before this passage, basically the last two things that Jesus says leading into this passage one is, He tells people, uh, there, it's the passage where they say, Hey, you're, he's with this big crowd, and he's teaching, and, and they say, Hey, your, your mom and your brothers are looking for you. And He says, Who are my mother and brothers? like these are my mother and brothers. The people who are listening to the words of God and obeying them, those are my mother and brothers. So Jesus is radically redefining family. And he's saying that the family of God supersedes your earthly natural family bonds because it's gonna last for all eternity. And so these are my mother and brothers. And then the next thing he says to his disciples is let's go across the lake. And so now we find ourselves in this strange place that is unlike their day-to-day life. And they find this man who is the epitome, the penultimate, you know, the, the, just the, the, the strangest, most uncomfortable, scariest people that they could, they could come into contact with. And the reality is Jesus had orchestrated this whole thing because he's saying, this is my little brother, this demon possessed, this man who is riddled with demons who I've never met before, who is a Gentile, who is as far away from God as we could imagine somebody being in the eyes of of his disciples. This is my little brother, and I need to go across the lake to set him free. So this man who seemed as, as far away from God, as far away from sanity as possible, Jesus is saying, He belongs to me, there's nothing about him that keeps me from him, and keeps my love from him, and there's no one who's too far gone. Like We are going across the lake, and I don't care how uncomfortable it makes you, because I have a little brother there who I need to set free. And Jesus, uh, as a a friend of mine, as as Andrew pointed out to me this week, um, we don't ever hear about the disciples getting out of the boat. So they may not have. All of this may have happened in their presence, and they may have been unwilling to even get out of the boat onto this strange land with Jesus. But Jesus is saying, I don't care, and I want you to watch this. And Jesus today is still drawing people to himself like this. This man, think about this. These demons, as we, as we read the stories, you read other accounts of people who were possessed with demons. Um, demons don't want to have anything to do with Jesus, They're terrified of him because they know his power, they know his authority, they know what's coming, so they don't wanna have to interface with him until they absolutely have to, when Jesus returns and sets everything to rights and they're gonna be banished into the abyss forever. But this man who is riddled with demons comes to Jesus. Do You see what's happening here? The demons would not have chosen this. They would have stayed far away from Jesus so that they could torment this man in privacy away from him. But this man is coming toward him, meaning that Jesus is compelling this man to come. Jesus is overpowering the demons already before he even casts them out, and this man walking toward him. And as this man is walking toward him, Jesus is telling the demons to leave. And so this man is coming to Jesus because he is drawing him to himself. Jesus is sailing across the sea because he is going toward this man. And guess what? He is still doing this today. Jesus is still moving toward lost and hurting people. And Jesus is still compelling those lost and hurting people towards himself. And let me ask you, if you're a Christian, whose spirit lives in you? Yeah. The spirit of Jesus lives in us. And so if Jesus is still compelling and moving toward, how is he doing that today? Through us. So when you find strange, uncomfortable people that feel very foreign to you and who you are and how you were raised and the things that you enjoy, when you find those people moving into your life That's not a coincidence. When you find yourself moving into places where those people are, that's not a coincidence. Jesus is still drawing people the same that he was in this passage today through his people. And so, just like this man, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be messy. It's going to be awkward. It might even be scary. It might even be dangerous. But Jesus is saying, this is what I'm doing. This is why you're here. Because think about this, y'all. We don't continue to live on this earth just to get to know Jesus a little better. There is a day coming when he is going to return and we're going to be with him in perfect unity. We're going to see him fully as he is. We're going to see the very face of God and we're going to enjoy relationship with him forever. We are going to fully get to know him (laughs) at that point. I don't need a runway of years to get to know him a little bit better until that day comes. That's not the main reason we're here. Yes, we will get to know him better. We will grow in relationship with him. The reason that we are all still here is for our brothers and sisters who aren't his yet that he is moving, he is compelling them toward his people, he is compelling us, his people, out toward them in his love and his power to bring lost brothers and sisters home. That is is really, I think, Lord, tell me if I'm wrong, that is the only reason we're still here. And so... (laughs) If I don't understand from the outset that the mission of God is, is going to be uncomfortable, is going to challenge and shrink my comfort zones, then I will remain unwilling to, to engage. And I will live in fear of losing comfort. And I will live in fear of people that make me feel funny and, I, and uncomfortable, and I, I don't want to be around them because they don't talk like I do. They don't think like I do. They don't look like I do. They don't believe the same things that I do. Of course they don't, <laughs> because they don't know Jesus. And it's like, wait, wait, I, I'm, I'm the one who he is calling into these people's lives to bring them home, And there's so many times that I am unwilling to to move with him. There's so many times that we are unwilling to go on adventure with him for the very reason that we are still drawing breath on this earth. So we know about this man. Then, you know, verse 30, we start to learn about these demons. Um, This man is so captured by these demonic forces that when Jesus asks him his name, it's the demons who answer. Our name is legion. And, and legion was a, a number. That was like the Roman soldiers had legions. That was like a, you know, a, a measure of troops. And that's that supposed to be a, about 6,000 soldiers. So, so potentially, this demon is saying, Hey, I'm speaking for the 6,000 of us that are taking up residence in this man. And I want us to just stop here and say Jesus has authority over these 6,000 demons. The Jesus who is standing before this man is not at all taken aback by the answer, he is not scared of them, he is not intimidated by them, he has nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. In fact, they are terrified of him. And as Jesus stands before this man and the 6,000 demons that live inside of him, he is demanding that they leave him at once. And they are begging him, please, would you send us into these pigs? Please don't send us into the abyss. And so it says that Jesus gave them permission to enter these pigs. And, and I, this is it's weird, Right? Um, the, the things that I want us to, to hear from that part of our passage are these. Um, I, was, I was having breakfast with a, a friend this week who uh, does not know Jesus. And he was saying, you know, if, if God is real, if he showed himself to me, I, I wouldn't just start worshiping him. I would have a lot of questions for him that he would need to answer first. Because I look around and I see all this pain and I see all this suffering and I'm like, you know, you need to answer for that. And what I want us to see from this passage is when Jesus does not immediately send them into the abyss, he's saying that day is coming. The end of all things is coming where all of this will be dealt with completely. But that day is not today. I am still working and that day is not yet because I have good purposes for continuing in this work until we get to that day. So Jesus is not afraid of them, and it is also not the time. We will encounter suffering. There is suffering in this world, but the reason that we are, he does not just make all things new today is because there are sons and daughters of, of his who are not his yet. And that's why we are enduring, they are enduring all of this pain. That's why, you know, the enemy is still afoot. That's why he is allowing this. Because in his wisdom, in his good purposes, he's saying that is it is worth it to endure this so that the fullness of my sons and daughters can come home. And so he sends the demons into this herd of pigs the herdsmen see the most amazing thing they've ever seen and they run off and they tell everyone, they say, it says they tell it in the city, they tell it in the country, everything that happened. And then all the people from the surrounding areas come to see what these herdsmen are telling them that this freak, this monster man that we have all been terrified of, that we have all been so content to leave out here in the lonely, isolated places so that he wouldn't bother us anymore, That guy is healed. There's a man that just showed up on our shore and healed that man, and now he is in his right mind. And I love what it says about this man. It says that when the townspeople come and they see him healed, he is sitting at the feet of Jesus. So (laughs) that's what it looks like to be healthy, is that his master, and to go back to our categories we've been talking about this series, his master and his treasure are Jesus. I'm sitting at his feet, this is where life is, he has the words of life, this is where I wanna be. He's clothed, his dignity has been restored, and he is in his right mind. He is able to think properly about God, about himself, about life, about this world, about where to find life. And so these people, when they see this, how do they respond? Are Are they thankful that this guy who's been tormented for years, is now healed and experiencing life? No. Are they even curious? Man, I want to learn more about this guy and what's happening here. No. What does it say? It says they're absolutely terrified. And in their fear of Jesus, all of the people together ask him, would you please leave? Would you please leave us? Why? Why would that be their response? You know, you could think about the fact that we we don't know. If I'm a townsperson, I don't know anything about Jesus. All I know is this guy who is riddled with demons and terrifying is now bowing and sitting at this man's feet. So maybe he has a power more powerful than these demons. And how do I know that he's going to use it for good? I mean, he healed this man, but who knows what he's going to do next? But at least there would be this, this curiosity, but they just ask him immediately, please leave us. Why would this be their response? And I think it goes back to what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. It depends on their master, and it depends on their treasure. And, and a lot of people think that this herd of pigs was the combination, like the, the grouping of all these people's pigs uh, under one grouping so that uh, it's like all of their investments pooled together so that they could just hire one set of shepherds to take care of these pigs. And so when they see all of their livelihood drowned and dead, and they see this demonic man healed, they're just thinking, you are, you are messing with my comfort, you're messing with my livelihood, you're messing with all my categories, my wealth, my prejudices, my preferences, and that's just too much for me and you need to leave. And we'll, we'll come back to that in a, in a minute. But um, this passage ends with this man who is healed and this man who everybody pointed to as the monster. Now, it almost seems like he's afraid of people. <laughs> Jesus, would you please take me with you? Don't leave me here in this place. Because think about that. The fact that these people were content for this man to just be tormented by demons as long as they were okay, that's demonic. To value my comfort and my wealth over someone's soul is demonic. And now that he can see clearly and he's in his right mind, he's saying, Jesus, I don't want to stay here with these people. Would you please take me with you? And what does Jesus say to him? He says, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And that's the mission of God. Return to your home. Be, be in the place where God has placed you. Your neighborhood, where you work, the people you live with, the people you do life with. Go be in that place and declare all, all the things that God has done for you. Testify to the truth of the words that he says in these pages. Tell them about the ways that he has loved you, the ways that he has healed you, the ways that he has set you free. Be, be where he's placed you and do this. And what has he done for us? You know, Jesus has, has done what he does in this story on a cosmic scale. He has come to the opposite place. He, is, he has left uh, the throne of heaven and he has come into this world that is riddled with demonic activity. He has come into this world that is full of pain and suffering and darkness and loss and loneliness and death and rebellion against him. <laughs> the one who created all of this, the one who created every single one of us, the one to whom we owe all allegiance, the one who should define all of life for us. We we have rebelled against him and, and cast him off. And yet he has still come to us. He has come into this world. He has put on skin. He knows what it's like to live in this place. He is not a stranger to suffering. He's not a stranger to loneliness. He's not a stranger to death. And he has come and he has done all of that to where we don't have to be terrified of anything anymore. We don't have to be afraid of demonic powers. It says that in scripture, it says that all of this world is under the power of the enemy, that he has blinded all of our eyes to who God really is and what he's like to keep us separated from him. And now Jesus says, because I have come and I've taken all of your sin into myself, and all of all of." what is deserving of condemnation, all of what is deserving of God's wrath, I have taken it into myself. I'm experiencing the depths of all of our darkness within myself. And I've taken it to the cross and I've been executed. The the wrath of God has been poured out on me so that it never has to be poured out on you. And so now, that is how I give you new life. That is how I set this demon-possessed man free. That's how I set all of us free, is now because of his life, his death, and his resurrection, all that blackmails us to stay away from him, the fear of, the fear of death, the fear of condemnation, the fear of, of what does God think about me, all of that is gone. He's destroyed the power of the enemy. All the force, all the teeth of the demonic powers, he has broken those teeth out of the mouth of our enemy. And now all that the enemy can do is just, spew empty threats because now because of Christ, he said, if you would just believe in me, you will have life and no one can separate you from me forever. And so now in Christ, we have nothing left to fear. That is what we have in him. We have new life in him. We have new hope. (laughs) We have new purpose. The eternal abundant life that we are always craving. He has come and he has made that ours in him. So we are all like this man who is possessed by these demons. We've all been enslaved to the evil one. We've all been lonely and pain, afraid, longing for Jesus. And some of y'all are still here. Some of you are here right now and know that, that you are sitting in this room because he is compelling you toward him and he is moving toward you. And he is telling you, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you are still doing, you are not too far gone. He's not intimidated by you. He is looking at you with love saying, I have done everything necessary for you to come and have life in me. And all you have to do is throw it down and run to me and just believe. And so that's what he is calling you to today. To run to him and just take him at his word and have life in him. And for those of us who are in Christ, we are this man healed. We are on mission with Jesus. He lives in us, and he is still drawing people to himself through us. He's moving toward them, and we will move toward them as we obey him, as we hear his voice. And he has given us his power and his love so we don't have to be afraid. Even of encountering a person possessed with 6,000 demons, we no longer have to fear. Because the power at work within us is greater than the power at work in the world. He has freed us from all fear and he has freed us from all that would disqualify us from being on mission with him. Again, it does not matter who we are or what we've done or what we don't know or what we're still doing and still fighting in our flesh. He has made you clean and he has called you to join him on this mission and testify not to your greatness and your holiness and your perfection, but his. And here's another thing that we have to deal with, and this is where we're gonna end. For those of us that are in him, we still live in this body of flesh that fights against the spirit. And we can be still like these townspeople. In my flesh, I can just want more than anything for Jesus to leave me alone and stop messing with my comfort and stop messing with my prejudices and stop messing with, with all the things that I build to make myself feel good about myself and feel secure. And that, preferring my own comfort to others finding life again, is demonic and is diametrically opposed to the mission of God in this world. So Lord, forgive me, forgive us for the ways in which we have preferred our own comfort over the the healing and the life of those who he has surrounded us with for the very purposes of bringing his love to them. And he does, he does forgive us. And he does move in us and bring healing and continue to turn us toward him and away from our old life. And so now what we're gonna do is we're gonna spend some time in prayer. Uh, We have some folks who uh, are gonna be around the room to pray with us, but I'm gonna lead us in a time of guided prayer. And so if those folks would go ahead, a couple of people can come up and sit on the steps up here. Uh, a couple of y'all can grab chairs and maybe move to the side over there and move to the back. Um, these people are available for you to uh, come and pray with. If, as we're going through this, this guided prayer, if you just want someone to pray for healing for you or anything, um, come and find one of these men or women and, um, they would, they would love to pray with you and pray for you. Jesus says this in, in Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 through 38. It says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he told his disciples this, and this is what he's saying to us this morning. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest of souls, the harvest of people who will come to know God as their father and Jesus as their Lord and savior. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Those who are willing to go with him, those who are willing to be vessels for him, for his love and his power to move in the lives of those who don't yet know him. He says that those laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Father, this morning we come to you and um, we ask you to do whatever work you need to do in us to make us willing and able and desiring to follow you into the harvest and work alongside you. Father, like the the townspeople in this this passage, um, would you open our eyes, would you open our minds to see who in our life we are refusing to love right now? Who have you put in our paths? Who have you drawn toward us that we are refusing to move toward in your love? Spirit, would you help us to see why? What fear is controlling? What pain is controlling and is keeping us from following you toward those people? What pride that we have a vision for our lives that we can't afford to get messy, we can't afford to get off track. And Jesus, we ask you to drive out all fear. It says, those who have been loved with perfect love, um, all fear has been driven out. And we ask you to do that. Father, like this man who you heal in this passage, you call us to go home and, and proclaim all that you've done for us. Or would you open our eyes to where home is, to the people in those places that you're calling us to move toward in your love and your power. Because we have a, a way of kind of rationalizing things away um, I would ask that maybe you would ask the Lord or you may already know but to write down one person's name somebody that is in your life that you feel like repelled by that he may be calling you to move toward and just write that person's name down and Pray about what it would look like to make an intentional move toward them in love this week. To invite them to spend time together, to be kind to them, to ask them about their life. But that there's something tangible And Jesus, we see you in this passage. Uh, It is your joy. It is not an inconvenience. It is your joy to move toward this man and to set him free. This man who is so uncomfortable, so dangerous, so difficult. And Lord, we, we, apart from you, do not have the capacity to love like that. We are too self-interested. We are too fearful. We are too sinful and so jesus you you do live in us and your love is ours and your mind is ours and your power is ours and so lord would you would you do all the work necessary to give us the desire to move with you toward the lost and lonely would you cast out all fear of what might happen or what they might say or what might come of this Would you help us to hear your voice? Would you help us want to hear your voice and be led by you into the lives of men and women around us for their life and for your glory and for our freedom? Would you do what we can't do? And we ask this in your name, Jesus, amen. Um, As we continue to worship, Our folks are going to still be around the room praying. And so if you find yourself wanting to come ask for prayer, um, please do.